Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church. As we continue on in a new series we started this, uh, this year, um, we, we were, we're a couple of weeks in now, and we're calling it Life in His Story. Life in His Story. And we're, we're looking at the Christian year together. Um, the Christian year, or the church year, is an incredible way of helping us to define our lives in accordance with His story by structuring um, the year around the central redemptive acts of God in the Messiah. I, I love um, the concept of um, throughout the course of the year, um, from, from weekend to weekend, uh, knowing that, that it, it, what's going on in the story of Jesus and it helps me connect to it. And, and uh, I like the power in that. I, I like it in my prayer life, and my devotional life, sort of knowing how it fits and uh, what's going on. And, and every year sort of... Uh, week by week, replaying the, the story of Jesus throughout the course of my year. And it just reminds me constantly of what he's done and what he's doing and how I fit and where I belong. And there, there's something very powerful, I believe, in the process. So the, the Christian year, the church year, it's more than just a, a series of sort of commemorative holidays. <clears throat> it's a way of actually ordering our day-to-day, week-to-week spiritual lives around his story uh, and the story of redemption. So it, uh, it just helps, I think, to give our lives context in relationship um, to God and where we are in, in this journey that we go through with him and in, in the journey of the events of his life, of Jesus every year. So uh, last week, we started uh, the series, and, and it happened to be the epiphany, and we, we talked about that. And, and uh, uh, so this actually is the first Sunday after epiphany. Not that hard to figure that one out, is it? So uh, <laughs> that's what it's called, the first Sunday after the Epiphany. Actually, there's some years, there's six, uh, five or six, but depending on where Easter falls. This year, there's only two Sundays after the Epiphany, and then we move right back and we're heading towards Easter and Lent, because Easter is very early this year, March 31st. And, uh, and so we're, we're on it. In fact, we're already making pretty serious plans for Easter. So uh, it's, it's coming on us. Uh, it'll be here before we know it. So we'll have some... Uh, I'll know this week, I think we got some really neat stuff planned for Easter, once again, so I'm excited about that. But see, I've jumped ahead on the calendar. Uh, the Epiphany season um, is, a, is an opportunity for us to sort of reflect and meditate um, and, and sort of take time to, uh, to think about what it means to walk with Jesus. Uh, remember, I said last week, you know, Epiphany, it's a revelation, it's a light bulb going off, it's a new way of looking at something. And so during this season of Epiphany, um, we're to sort of uh, slow down and take a look at what it means to walk with Jesus and, and how we're, we're doing in that and how we can certainly do better in that in the course of our lives. So today what we're going to do uh, is we're going to reflect on knowing and doing His will knowing and doing his will. Uh, but, be, but before we do that, I, just a little aside, and maybe this will be a, an educational aside. I think you might like this. Um, last week, I, did a, I launched into a, like a 10-minute story on Quasimodo. I'm not doing that again this week because that, that took a lot. Uh, but it was, it was worth it, I think. But anyway. So uh, uh, this week, I, and I thought you might... Uh, like this, a little encounter I had. Some guy comes to me and uh, he says to me, hey, do you know the difference between ignorance and apathy? 
And I looked at him and I said, you know what? I don't know and I don't care. Another opportunity for an epiphany. As ignorance and apathy. Really not bad. So if you didn't get it, ask me later. <laughs> Scripture reading fits right here. Luke uh, chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And blessed be the word of the Lord. Now, I think this is a, this is a great uh, encounter, and um, I, I would say right off the bat that I think that the, the story strikes a chord with a lot of people about being on a trip and leaving a member of the family uh, behind somewhere. And... Uh, I'm sure those events have been the cause for a lot of therapy moments over the years. Um, but I'll, I'll talk about this and I'll, I'll often talk with people and many people have experienced either sort of getting in a busy car and not having someone that they should have or being the one who was kind of, you know, dilly-dallying in the convenience store when the, when the van with your family took off down the road. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Now, um, in, in, uh, in, our, in today's world, probably not so bad because you got a cell phone, you could probably say, hey, hey, come back and get me. But um, very, I've heard a lot of interesting stories about people being missed for hours before they realized that they were missed, uh, <laughs> before someone sort of uh, uh, caught up with the idea. And uh, can you imagine, if you've never experienced and think about it, how it feels when you realize that somebody's missing? that you should have. It's not a good feeling at all. It's like, <gasps> so uh, there's Joseph and Mary. They've uh, faithfully been, you know, to Jerusalem, which we're supposed to do. Um, they go, you know, they would have gone, you know, every year, most likely. Um, Jesus is old enough now, 12, to accompany them. And uh, they go with him, and, and he feels so connected to all of it that they leave, and he doesn't even realize that they've left or, or whatever. But can you imagine also uh, being tasked with the responsibility of raising Jesus, of parenting Jesus? Jesus? I'm, I'm sure, can you imagine that thought when, when, when they realized that he wasn't with them? Um, you know, they, I thought he was with you. I thought he was, we, we've, we've lost Jesus. <laughs> We, we've lost the Son of God. And, and uh, just, I'm, I'm sure it took it up even another notch, you, you know. And, and uh, the scriptures say there that Mary treasured these moments in her heart. Yeah, it had to be really tough. I, I would just imagine that, uh, you know, his parents were having to help raise a child that was by no means ordinary. They, 
They have to be involved in the day-to-day decisions of life, of what he should and shouldn't do, um, you know, training him up and, and teaching him. Uh, Jesus would have to obey the commandment to honor his parents, even though he was very drawn to the things of God in an early age, but it wasn't his time yet. And so when his parents said, let's go, uh, he went. And uh, really, um, from that point in time, from 12 until 30, uh, Jesus just kind of did the family thing, as far as we know. Nothing is recorded about what he did. And, uh, and so, you know, he went back to Nazareth and most likely learned how to be a carpenter from his, you know, from his dad and family. And that's what he did until the timing was right for him to do uh, what he needed to do. But he went with them because it was the right thing to do. Uh, and now sometimes uh, I think it's hard for us to know what we're supposed to do. Sometimes this is where it gets a little tricky. I told you a couple of weeks ago, I went and saw that movie, um, Les Miserables, and uh, then I cried like a baby. And so it's a great redemptive movie. It's, it's, it's awesome. Um, because uh, the storyline is so filled with redemption and grace and it pictures, you know, the church and it talks about grace and then you, you see the whole other side of um, people who are trying to serve God with rules and, and, uh, and, and just, you know, all the balance in there. Anyway, there's a point in the story where the main character, who is Jean Valjean, and uh, you like it, my French, you like that? That's pretty good. Um, Jean Valjean. I always thought it'd be neat to have a first name and last name separated that were the same with something in the middle, you know, but anyway, he worked, he worked that out. So, just, just so you know, in, in, this, in his story, um, he had been in prison for 20 years for stealing a, a loaf of bread because his, his uh, nephew was hungry. And uh, he got caught and ended up going to prison for, for 20 years uh, for that crime. And he finally gets released. And uh, he's supposed to, according to the story, he's supposed to, you know, connect in with the government all the time. And he um, ends up not doing it. And uh, he starts a whole new life. And uh, in this whole new life, you know, he's very successful and he has a business and he's employees, he employs a bunch of people in this town. He's very important in this town. And um, he finds out, because so now, so, but the, you know, the, the law is looking for him for not being, you know, checking in, doing what he's supposed to do. Um, he finds out that they've arrested someone and they've, um, they've said that this guy was, was him and they're going to throw him in prison forever. And he has to decide whether he's going to go own the fact, no, that's the wrong guy, I'm the guy. Um, and he, you can see him wrestling with the process. He's if I go in, I'm going back to prison for a loaf of bread that I stole to feed somebody because I needed to, already did 20 years time for him. I'm going to go back in there forever. Everything that all these people that depend on me you know, they're going to lose their jobs. And he's, he's wrestling through this whole series of things. And you get where it's, uh, it's just not black and white um, uh, in, in life. And that um, uh, he, he works it out ultimately where he goes and he confesses who he is. Um, and, and so those things happen. But it's a, I think that's the difficult thing. Because sometimes... Um, we're not sure what to do. Sometimes doing the right thing is hard to do. Sometimes we justify it away when we probably shouldn't. Uh, and there's a lot of variables in the mix. So how do we uh, maybe sort of tap into knowing and perceiving what God's will is and then, and then sort of how do we move into it in the process? And I have a few practical ideas um, for you today and that's in the notes. Point one, 
I think really you have to start every day asking yourself this question, uh, who's going to be in charge today of your life? Who's going to be in charge of your life? Is it going to be you or is it going to be God? Who, who's going to sort of be the one calling the shots in your life? Is it you or God? Sometimes we, um, we say we want God to do it, but really we sort of would like God just to uh, agree with what we're doing and uh, allow us to do our own thing and, and make it seem right. But the reality is, who's going to be on the throne of your life? And it's something that you really have to wrestle through as you start every day and then I think throughout the day. Who's in control? Who's going to be in charge of your life? Jeremiah 2.13 says, You know, my people have committed two sins. They've forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. See, um, when when we decide that um, we're not going to let God be in control, um, that's a sin. And then when we go out on our own and try and make our own life, we're compounding it. By, by moving in another bad direction. And so this is really a, a very uh, day-to-day sort of decision that we have to make. Um, the Lord's gracious when he taught us to prayer that, that this sort of included in, in the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray, uh, you know, how uh, will be the name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That we have an opportunity as we pray that on a regular basis to, to make sure we're, we're asking that, that he would have his way in our lives, that he would be in control of our lives, and that we're thinking about it on a regular basis. But it's something that you really have to sort of check on. Who's going to be in control of your life today? Who's going to be in charge of your life each and every day? Second thing uh, in this process of kind of knowing what we're supposed to do is we have to be very clear with the idea that it's not all about me. Uh, it's not all about me. It's just not. I brought this up before in the past, and I said, you know, it's, it's some about me. I like to clarify that little, but it's not all about me. Because God cares about us, and, and uh, he, he wants us to uh, experience life now and forever. But the way that we experience that life is not by struggling to get our own thing all the time, but by tapping into the life that he has for us. That's where life is found. And it's just not all about me. I don't, I don't know about your life, uh, and if you've noticed the same thing, but um, in my own life, um, this happens all the time. My plans get changed frequently. Does that happen to anybody else? I've made all sorts of plans. Um, uh, some that I thought were like, you know, awesome, amazing, brilliant type plans, and um, God doesn't always see them that way, apparently, because I'll, uh, I'll have a plan put together, and it... it, it None of it, none of it will happen. Uh, just absolutely none of it. From the beginning on, nothing. Well, okay, that's... So, uh, most of my plans end up getting changed because of problems. You think, well, yeah, obviously. But, but when you think about it, I, I, you know, problems get in the way of my plans. And, and yet the reality is that problems are part of life. If, if everything always went the way we wanted, you know, I, well, it never does. So I don't even know how to, I don't even know where to go with that. But... Uh, um, you know, it seems to me like every time I'll make a plan to, uh, like I'll plan, okay, I've got, I, I've blocked out three hours of time to work on something. 
and I've, you know, I've safeguarded it, and I've got it together, and, and now here we go, and I, you know, it's going to be, this is going to be what's going to happen. I've got this three-hour block worked out, and I'm going to have my computer, and I'm going to do this thing, and, and invariably something like, all of a sudden, the computer won't work, or the program that I need is not right, or half the files that I need are here at my office instead of at home where I sat down to work. And, and, or they're not in the Dropbox. And today I was working on a flyer because we changed everything. And uh, uh, literally I had to like reload a program to make it work because it was missing something. It took me a half an hour to find a picture that was hidden in a file somewhere uh, because it didn't pop up where I needed it to. And I'm just sitting here and, and I started laughing because I had a, you know, a, this chunk of time and it was taking so much longer than it should have. Really should have been like very simple. And does that happen to anybody else? So what you do with that is pretty significant in your life. Because you can either get really frustrated, which will make you really irritated, and then you tend to take it out on other people around you who had nothing to do with it just because they're around you. Or you can sort of begin to realize that... Um, Maybe I, I just need to stop for a moment. Maybe there's something else I ought to be doing. Maybe it taking a while is a good thing. Um, maybe I should put it aside for now and go look at something else. Maybe there's something else I'm supposed to do. I don't know. Maybe it's really not part of the day, uh, the way God structured it for me. And, and so we need to, to need to tap back into that. My, my will and God's will are often quite different. Matthew 6.33, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Sometimes the, the, I think the best thing you can do when you're getting... Because you can feel that come on. I'm, I'm pretty sure if you're like me, you can feel yourself starting to get... Um, you know, one of my clues is I start banging the mouse on the computer. Um, like, that's going to make things speed up. The mouse really has nothing to do with the speed of the events that's going on. So you doing this with your mouse absolutely has no credibility... Uh, or, or is, is not helpful whatsoever. In fact, really just damages your mouse and makes it not work as well. But maybe you're, maybe you're not like me and you've never even thought about that. But I've, I've given that mouse a few... What is wrong with you? Poor mouse, because it's in my hand. It catches the, the, the problem. Um, when you feel that coming on, a lot of times the best thing you can do is do something completely different. Or think about this. Okay, God, this is frustrating me and I'm... I, I know I'm, I don't need to live my life frustrated and irritated, so what, what would you have me do? Maybe I just stop and go do something completely different and, uh, or, or come at it a different, and all sorts of times. Sometimes I stop, sometimes I pray, sometimes I go take a little break. Sometimes he'll, he'll give me an epiphany about, oh, this is where that is and how it works because I just wasn't listening before because I was so busy trying to get my thing done. And so we just need to sort of step back and look in the process. So, so who's going to be in charge of your life? It's not all about me. It's really about him, and I find life in him. And then third, um, you, you, you probably have heard this third one before. Um, it's really all about living by doing the next right thing. I don't think I talked about this week, so it's been a year. I haven't talked about this all year, I don't think. Uh, <laughs> I haven't talked about this for an entire year. I'm sure you get tired of hearing it but again it's the it's to me is the central part of walking this thing out is that with with this now in mind um, and meditating on walking with Jesus one of the most important things I can do in knowing perceiving and even walking out his will is is always trying to do the next right 
thing. That this relationship with God that I have is, is so amazing and, and uh, it's so, uh, there's so much, uh, it's such an awesome, you know, adventure to be connected with the God of the universe. But he, he again doesn't want me to get sidetracked in trying to live for myself. I'm to live for him and for others. Galatians 5, 13 and 14. You, my brothers, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. So um, I want to live this life attempting to do the next right thing. It's not all about me. He's in charge. Um, I don't want to get consumed by trying to make my little temporary life work, but I want to be tapped into his story, the bigger story, which has an eternal perspective, realizing that I find life in, in, uh, in spending time with him and, and um, living for him in the world around me, and then trying to do it, the next right thing as it comes up. And you, you, you've heard me say this. Um, we try to live this life, but, but we'll all make mistakes along the way, and that's all right if we, if we know what we do with that. Rather than beat ourselves up or act like we're more together than we really are or, or you know, try and come up with a whole bunch of rules about how we're going to make it all work, we just, we really, you know, get connected with God in the Spirit, and, and we, we look at every opportunity and we, we make the best choice we can. And when we make a wrong choice, which we'll do, we have to know that we can run right back to our Heavenly Papa who will love us, encourage us, forgive us, and then tell us, now go. Do the next right thing. We go through the process again. And we can go over and over and over and over and over to the Father. You can go over and over and over. So people, I say that. People sometimes, well, does that mean we can just do whatever we want? No, that's, that would be, you know, contrary to what we're talking about. This is a, a desire that wants to live for him and, 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 uh, um, because we know where that's where life is found. And yet sometimes we mess up. But knowing that when we do, we can run back to the Father. And you'll never exhaust that, Ever. And, and you need to know that you can never exhaust, that you can run back to God even when you've messed up. Because if you ever thought that you could, you'd stop running back. And he'll never let that happen. What Jesus did at the cross was enough for everything that we'll ever do, everything that we ever have done. And that as we understand that, it actually helps us to really do the next right thing more frequently knowing that he's got us and he's for us and that he's, he's with us and he'll help us and he's there all the time. So uh, learning to trust him in the process then and living his way, knowing that his way is better than our way. And as we do, we end up finding life in his story. Now and forever life in his story. Amen? Amen. Uh, if you're watching on a video or television, thank you so much for spending these moments with us. us. We appreciate uh, you doing that. We know how valuable your time is. Thank you for uh, tuning us in. We hope you'll tune us in again soon and uh, spend more time with us here in the future as we continue on in this series or come and visit us on Big Pine uh, if you're in the area ever or if you need prayer, you can contact us on the website at keysvineyard.com. We'd be happy to pray for you. So we're going to end uh, the sermon here and then uh, we're going to move into worship here at the church.